Well, happy Sunday, Light City. So glad you could all join with us today. You know, whether you are in the Fort Erie campus or you're in Buffalo, whether you're online, whether you're somewhere all around the world, let me tell you, you are welcome here and we are so glad that you decided to spend time with us today. Uh, if you're here for your first time, then you, know, uh, you may not be aware, but we are in the middle of a, of a series right now called Until the Whole World Sees Jesus. And we've been spending uh, a little bit of time together each week really trying to unpack Jesus. Who was he as an individual? Uh, Pastor Alex last week, if you remember, began to talk to us about Jesus having dirty hands that, wow, he was uh, willing to get down into the dirt. He was willing to engage with us in each one of our lives, uh, standing between us and our accuser being our advocate, it, amazing, Jesus being our defense lawyer, empowering every single one of us to continue to grab hold of the life that he's given us and pursue the destiny he has for each one of our lives. As we begin to spend time then unpacking this week's teaching, this week's time together, we're going to be talking about Jesus and that Jesus has guts. You know, that word guts is kind of talking about words like courage or, or maybe bravery. And you know, there's so many examples in the scriptures about Jesus and his courage and bravery. Man, they're all over the accounts of the, of the gospels. I'm thinking about Jesus spending 40 days in the wilderness, not eating or drinking face to face with the devil. Wow, that Jesus was... You know, he missed the boat one day. His disciples were heading off across the Sea of Galilee and he missed the boat. So Jesus decides that he's going to walk on water and he's going to walk on water in order to go meet this guy that everybody calls the madman of Gadara. He's got a few words to share with the guy and he's going to, and he's sparing no expense to get there and spend time with this fella. Every day, Jesus coming into town, being confronted by religious leaders, standing between a rock-bearing mob and a woman caught in adultery, publicly declaring a miracle even before it happens, putting himself way out there. But this morning, I want to talk about a different time in Jesus's existence. You know, there was this moment when Jesus was interacting with the religious leaders and they were kind of talking about Abraham and how Jesus really didn't seem to understand what they understood about this guy, Abraham. And well, Jesus kind of looked right at them and he said this, he said, guys, I need to tell you something. I need to tell you that before Abraham was, I am. You see, what he was saying was, is that Abraham was able to look down through the corridors of time and see the day that Jesus was living in. And they looked at him and they said, well, how do you know this? Because we know that you're not even 50 years old. And Jesus says, no, no, guys, you don't understand. He said, I am who I am, or maybe better to say, I was who I am long before Abraham was anything. You see, before Jesus was even conceived in Mary's womb, he existed consciously. So his decision, decision to come here to earth was intentional. And you got to be able to think in your head, what was it that motivated Jesus to do that? 
knowing what awaited him here. You see, his birth would brand him as an illegitimate child of Joseph, that he would be shunned and reviled and ridiculed and misunderstood and hated, betrayed, accused, condemned, and then brutally executed. He knew that his resurrection would be lied about and his very existence denied. He knew this all before he came. And he came anywhere. Man, we are talking about the most courageous thing anyone has ever done. It's not that there was a chance something could have gone wrong. That something bad maybe was going to happen to him. He knew exactly what he was signing up for. So let's look at two levels here. One is bravery, and the other one is courage. You know, I love watching people do brave things, you know, when they are in the middle of a crisis, and they sort of spring up with supernatural strength, such competent action that engages because this crisis has descended upon them. You know, those moments are adrenaline-fueled. But there's a different level when you're talking about courage. You know, courage is like a predetermined decision. It's a willingness to engage in a crisis when you are not actually required to do so. It's like sitting at home knowing that there is a problem on the other side of the world, a problem that's nothing to do with you, you didn't cause it, it's nothing to do with you. You don't need to act, but you act anyways, knowing that it's the right thing to do. You see, that's an, inf an internal force that drives you into action. It's even irrational, especially in our self-importance kind of a culture. Why would you go fight a fight that you don't need? To? Why would you put yourself in harm's way? when you don't need to. Why would you do that? Can I tell you something? Courage is different than bravery. Bravery is responding to a specific situation that you find yourself in and just the willingness to jump in. And so many people, our world is, gosh, do we have to say thank you to so many people in the crises that are going on in our world today. Those people who are willing to engage, they're caught in the middle of that and they're just going after it and doing such amazing acts of bravery. But can I tell you something? Courage is different than that. Courage requires a cause. There has to be a reason that is motivating your actions. You're sitting there in your comfy chair looking at a problem that has far away from you, that has no chance of even coming into your world, but you decide that you're going to engage, that you're going to put yourself in harm's way. Can I tell you something? That's the kind of courage that we were talking about here when Jesus, sitting in the perfection of heaven, looking down upon the, the plight of humanity, decided long before he came here that he was going to engage. Can I tell you something? Courage is purpose-fueled. <clears throat> and the greater the risk, 
the more important or significant that reason or that purpose must be. And we see that in Jesus' life. Him knowing that the risk was huge. And so the significance of the reason, the purpose, must have been even huger. So let me put this out there. Jesus was our creator. Some people, we give that to God. You know, God is the creator. But, you know, in Romans, and it goes me, in the book of John, it tells us that Jesus was the creator. It says that by him, Jesus, all things were made. And without him, nothing was made that was made. He knew why everything that was, was. He knew that human beings were designed to be so much more than they were experiencing or could ever experience unless there were some major changes. And can anybody out there shout out to me today that I was made for more than this, that you know as well that there's a reason, there's a purpose, that you exist for something so much greater than what you are experiencing right now. Can anybody chat that out? Maybe with caps and an exclamation mark that I was meant to be more than this. Have you ever had the feeling that you were trapped in an invisible cage? That no matter how you would try, you can't seem to make any forward motion. You know, like a hamster on a wheel. It's like you're stuck. Can I tell you the worst feeling of all is the feeling of being stuck. I remember when I was a teenager, we used to, a friend of mine, we used to swim across one of the creeks that were in this area. And the way the creek would work, it's a very fast running creek. And you know, you would dive in over at this section over here and you had to swim all the way to the other side and then swim all the way back as the current brought you downstream. You know, the target was gonna be this beachfront area. But if you weren't swimming fast enough, Right after the beachfront area, if you didn't swim fast enough, you ended up coming in to the shoreline in this area that was full of seaweed. It was full of long strands of grass underneath the water. And man, I could tell you, I would swim like crazy because the very worst thing for me was that I was going to get my feet stuck in all of this seaweed. Can I tell you, being stuck is the very worst thing for a human being. You know, trees are stuck, but then Jesus made trees to be stuck. Humans, you know, we weren't made to be stuck. You know, that's why cages and, and chains and boundaries and limitations, are, man, they are abhorrent to us. But Jesus watched from heaven as generations went by, aching, over his creation. I mean, sure, the scenery changed from foraging to the farm, from the farm to the factory, from the factory to the 40th floor. But can I tell you something? The story remained the same for everyone. Stuck, alone, hope fading with every birthday. Since almost the beginning of our species, it has remained the same. Do you feel that now? That you were made for greatness, but you're stuck in the mud? You know, it's a gnawing frustration. It's pushing you, it's driving you. It, it won't let you just lay down and die. 
It wakes you up and puts you to bed. It initiates all of your prayers and ignites all of your dreams. That feeling is most often your own heart's awareness that you were created to create. That you were born with greatness baked in. And inside of you is a map to where you were always destined to go. Come on, can you own this? Do you have the feeling that you were meant to live a much different life? A life of significance, of abundance, a life of strength and purpose. A life that was supposed to simply be more. Well, that feeling couldn't be more accurate. And it was for this that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit devised a plan to unstuck us mud dwellers. What was the cause that inspired Jesus's courage to come here? To take that amazing risk to his own personal life and safety? He came here to rescue us, to give us back what it means to be truly human. No more cages, no more blindness, no more limitations, no more defeat. I mean, let's just jump into a few of the sayings of Jesus to unpack how he was going to accomplish this superhuman feat. How was Jesus going to give, our, give us our lives back? How is he going to break us free from centuries of stuckness? It's all we know. It's all we've ever known. I think the clue is in an eyewitness account by one of his disciples, a guy named Matthew. And then again, Luke brings it up in his gospel. It was a story about when Jesus' uh, disciples asked him to teach them how to pray. You see, Jesus baffled them when he said that they needed to start their prayer addressing God as our Father. I mean, Almighty God, yeah. I mean, Lord, sure. I Maybe even a few Jehovah's. But Father? You know, in other stories, Jesus has just infuriated the religious leaders when he referred to God as his Father and may have referred to himself as God's Son. You know, in their religious custom, it was blasphemy to call God Father, to refer to yourself as his son. Imagine being in that little prayer group with Jesus. He was saying that he was part of God's immediate family. Can I tell you something? The punishment for blasphemy was death. And why was Jesus making such a big deal about this? Putting himself in harm's way like that? I mean, for what? Let me just take a moment here to draw this together. You know, we're celebrating here on Father's Day, and I just want to take a moment to celebrate all the dads in our lives. I mean, I bet you were concerned about how I was ever going to get from Jesus' eternal existence to a message to dads on Father's Day. You know, on a personal note, this is my first Father's Day without a dad on earth at the other end of my phone call. And so I want to celebrate my earthly dad publicly and and at the same time, thank all the dads, especially those in my life, who do what they do to be fathers to me, 
to my family and to all of us at Light City. And let me encourage all of you, one and all, especially my kids, to do something special to let your dads know how much you appreciate the things that they have done to help you in your journey. I mean, sure, they messed up more times than it's healthy or wise to remember, but can we celebrate those ample times when their love and care gave us a glimpse of what our Heavenly Father is like and how much He loves and cares for each of us? Okay, so back to Jesus and His prayer workshop with His disciples. Think of it. Jesus was telling the disciples to blaspheme. I mean, that's what they thought. And the, the, that crime was punishable by death. I mean, I'm sure it sent a shudder up each of their spines in their religious custom to blaspheme every time they started to pray. You know, I wonder how much of our how much of that is still in our world today? I mean, how much of it is in our lives today? And so let's back up the story a bit. Maybe we can get a glimpse of why this is so important. You see, when Jesus was born, there was a choir of angels that showed up and announced his coming with this phrase. It's in Luke chapter 2, if you're following along with me. It's, they sung this song, I think. I won't sing it for you today. I'll just tell you what the words were. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward men. Now your Christmas cards may say goodwill among men, peace among men. And I think that's a very virtuous thing, but that's not what the scriptures tell us. It tells us that Jesus was coming in order to establish peace between heaven and earth. I mean, Paul spoke of Jesus' purpose using almost exactly the same words. You know, in Romans chapter 5, it says, it says, Therefore, since we have been made right with God by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Peace with God. You know, it goes on to say that because of our faith, Christ has brought us into a place of grace. That word means an undeserved privilege. And that's where we stand right now, Paul says. Paul is telling us because humans were at war with God, that things were not good between us, that we were living without this privilege, the grace that would normally be freely available to us from God, even if we didn't do anything to deserve it. Wait, maybe you're saying, I'm not at war with God. Things are not bad between us. Well, let me ask you a few questions. When you refer to God, do you call him God or do you call him Father? Oh, who is he to you? Is he Almighty God? Is he Lord? Is he El Shaddai? Or is he my dad? You know, do you ask God for help like he's your dad? Or do you beg him for his help like he's God? You know, Paul is telling us that there is a very special place 
that Jesus has restored to us. A place where our relationship with our Heavenly Father is, has been made 100% perfect. And when we embrace that place, we get access to this amazing grace, this undeserved privilege, a privilege that otherwise would be inaccessible, a place where God will do anything for us, just like our dads would. Not because we did anything to deserve it, but simply because of our relationship. Okay, let me give you some backstory here. Let's look at the chronology to see how we got into this crazy mess. I mean, remember the garden, that perfect place of creation where everything was 100% synchronized. God and heaven completely synchronized with human and earth. You know, and then, then the apple, remember the apple? Adam and Eve decided to go their own way, breaking this alignment, isolating themselves from Father, disconnecting from heaven, a dimensional divide that could not be crossed. Father could not come here. We could not go there. It's short-circuited. You know, we're just we're doing some electrical in the building here in preparation for all of your wonderful return today. I remember a fellow was at the back where our lighting is controlled and all of a sudden changing a switch around and all of a sudden, pew, sparks flying everywhere. Can I tell you what happened? It was short-circuited. There was no connection. The wires were in the wrong place. Can I tell you something? It would be just like that if God would have come here at that time. There would have been a big spark and then everything would have been gone. You know, it was like a two-way mirror was put up between heaven and earth. They could see us, but we couldn't see them. Can I tell you, most people on earth today still live in that place. And then there were a few of these guys, you know, maybe uh, you've heard of Abel or, or, or Enoch or maybe Noah or Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, maybe Joseph. You know, there are a few of these guys who could sense that someone was there. You know, but it was all trial and error, trying to follow this feeling, this sense that uh, there's a God out there somewhere. I can sense that there's something beyond the mirror. You know, and then along came Moses, you know. The most amazing thing happened. God asked this guy to write down what he was saying. Now, anyone who wanted to know what God said or wanted to know what was right or wrong could simply read it. God had written a book. He figured out how to get here without getting here. Now, but there was a problem. Because humans were so wired to do things wrong, even when they wanted to do things right, as hard as they tried, they just couldn't get it perfect. They couldn't get it 100% right. And all this trying and failing got everyone so discouraged, you know, ashamed, guilt-ridden. Now, even more aware than ever that God was displeased with them. And to top it all off, they knew that the only way God could bless them was if they got it right. 
So not only were they overwhelmed by continually getting it wrong, everyone hid from God knowing that his wrath was heading their way. His judgment was going to find them one way or another. You see, truth, right or wrong, do's and don't do's on their own can only do the opposite of what they were intended to do. You know, this is what Paul was talking about in Romans chapter 7. He was saying that the law, the truth, the words of God by themselves can only produce death. Oh, it's crazy. It can only diminish us. Every day of failure makes us less than the day before. You see, there's a key ingredient to learning something new. You must have this ingredient or you're doomed. You must be allowed to fail with no repercussions, no punishment. Even encouraged to get it wrong as many times as we need to so that we can learn to get it right. Failure has to be a celebrated part of the journey. And can I tell you something? In fact, celebrating failure is more important than celebrating success. This way, each of us gets the strength we need to keep on trying. But how is this ever going to happen? God was mad at us, even angry at our disobedience. He had given us our instructions. Heaven had spoken. And all we needed to do was obey them. I know he's a judge. And he's an impeccably fair one. That's his job. And so he has no choice but to send his wrath. So the problem isn't the failure. It isn't that we get it wrong. It isn't that we're trying to get it right. It's that our relationship to God is as a judge, as a jury, as an executioner. It's black and white. Do good, get good. Do bad, get bad. I mean, sure, you get it right every now and again, but mostly we fall short of the mark. It's like driving the speed limit. You know, have you ever tried to stay exactly at the speed limit without your cruise control? I mean, you may get it right a few times, but mostly you're off. Imagine if you got a ticket every time you were slightly off. You know, that's what it was like when people were living in the Old Testament. They would try so hard to get it right, always knowing it, they just weren't quite hitting the mark. And they knew because they weren't hitting the mark, the wrath of God was coming at them. Or maybe they thought that the blessing of God was going to be removed from them. Can you see how this continually diminishes a human being day after day? And so when Jesus was coming, now he's up in heaven, all of the Trinity looking down upon this terrible situation that is now visited upon their beautiful creation, visited upon humankind, every single one of them, in every generation from one side of the globe to the other. 
every single person, as they get closer to God, it diminishes them. So the only way to fix the problem is to somehow get us back to our true relationship with our Father. You see, the judge is my Father. And his position as my Father takes precedence over his job as judge and jury and executioner. You see, somebody needed to connect both sides, to join the pieces back together again, to take heaven and our Father and earth and his children and join them back together again. Can I tell you, this is the greatest story ever lived. Jesus had the guts to risk it all to make things right, to come here as a human, to face the devil head on, to embrace the cross and death and hell. There are certainly a few of you in the, in the hearing of my voice today that are hearing this for the very first time, or perhaps you're hearing it because it's your time to step into the greatest adventure of your life. And if that's you, can you just please hang on with me for a few more moments while I share one more thought, because you know, I would really love to pray with you before I go today. But let me just unpack this one final thought. I, I wonder how many of us have come to Jesus rather than come through Jesus to our Father. I think we could be so very familiar with Jesus as a religious leader, a, a, a worker of miracles, a, a, the Son of God. And we focus on his sacrifice and resurrection, which of course we should. This is what has joined heaven and earth back together again, Father and his children back together again. But can I tell you something? Jesus wasn't about Jesus. He, he was about the Father. I mean, he did everything he could to not be famous. I mean, people would, he'd give, somebody would get a miracle in his ministry and he would tell them not to tell anyone. Can I tell you something? Jesus wasn't about building a religion. He was about restoring a family. He had tens of thousands of people who followed him around the countryside, but Jesus focused all of his attention on his 12 disciples. You know, Jesus wasn't as much about being our savior as he was about being our big brother. He came to get us back to the family and show us everything we needed to not just survive, but thrive in this life and the next. Jesus wasn't about condemning us for where we fell short of God's ways. He introduced us to our Father who will bless us in spite of our failure. So his love and his care can empower us to try again tomorrow and, and then the tomorrow after that. Heck, now we have permission to try and perhaps even fail a bunch of times because our Father is always there to pick us up and dust us off and put us right back on track. You know, there's lots of love as we get it wrong. 
on the way to getting it right. Now we don't need to be afraid of coming up short. You know, our Father has already committed to always make up the difference. All of heaven has been set on alert. All of heaven is on our side. And now we don't need to be timid as we unpack the dreams that we feel in our hearts. I mean, our Father has put them there. He knows He can do it. And he loves it when we are bold enough to try. In fact, he loves it when we dream so big that the only way to get there is for us to pour ourselves into our relationship with him. And so as I'm closing today, I mean, I said that we would pray. So if you can identify with any of the opportunities I talked about in our time together today and you'll feel a longing a tugging a, an energy in your heart or there'll just be a knowing that this is your time to pray i mean so if you feel stuck and no matter how hard you try you just can't seem to get unstuck i mean if there's a frustration in you that you are meant to reach a greater place than where you are at right now. I mean, if you need some courage to follow your cause, especially in our day of uncertainty and crisis. I mean, if you feel like you are looking for a closer connection to your heavenly father, to know him and to trust him and to rely on him even more than you have in the past and to see that undeserved privilege, that grace released from heaven on your behalf. I mean, if you can identify with any of these thoughts, can I get you to do something with me? Can I get you to just put your hand over your heart? We're just gonna take a quiet and solemn moment with us and God. And just pray this prayer with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I know that Jesus came here with courage and bravery in order to set my life back into relationship with you. I declare today that Jesus has made a way for me to be reconnected to you my heavenly father and so father i'm so sorry for everything i've done to push you away from me to be afraid of you to be afraid of your ways to be afraid of knowing you i'm so sorry the greatest desire of my life would be that I would know you. That I would be able to come close to you as my heavenly father. And that from this moment forward, nothing will ever come between us. I boldly declare my relationship with my heavenly father is 100% perfect and it always will be. From this moment forward, my failures, 
my defeats will never stand in the way of my relationship with my Father. In Jesus' name, amen. And hey, before I sign off, can I take a moment to talk with you if you are hearing all this for the first time, or maybe you've heard it before, but now this is your time to step into a deeper time with your Father, with your brother Jesus, and with the Holy Spirit, our helper and guide here on earth. If that's you, can I ask you to put your hand over your heart? Just take a moment. This is the greatest decision you'll ever make. I'm going to guide you. All you need to do is pray this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I know you went to the cross to reconnect me to my heavenly Father, that there was this great impassable divide that separated me from my real family, my heavenly family. So Jesus, thank you for going to the cross. Thank you for your courage. Thank you for your bravery. Thank you for pouring out your life on my behalf. I declare from this moment forward, my life is restored. I've come back to who I was always intended to be. I am a son of God. I have a purpose and destiny. Holy Spirit, help me, guide me, show me the way. I want to know God more and more. And I want to know why I'm here. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you know, if you prayed that prayer for the very first time today, right below us in the comment section there, you're going to find a little button where you can push and, you know, just shout out an alert to us to let us know that you've made this commitment. We have so many materials for you free on our website and we'll get those out to you. Really what we're looking to do is just high octane your journey. And I'm really encourage you, just connect with us and we'll get that material into your hands as quickly as possible. And let me tell you this, that all of our family here at Light City, all of heaven is rejoicing with you today. And we at Light City are joining with them. And I'm just gonna encourage you that you have made the most important decision of your life. You're entering into the greatest story ever lived, your story. And let me encourage you to click down below as we're closing today's service. Let me encourage you to click down. You'll see the subscribe and notification buttons right below us there. We would just love to be able to stay in touch with you for, for further broadcasts and different things that are coming at you. Also, if you take a drive through our website, there are tons of great free life tools to help accelerate your journey towards God and towards your dreams. Also below are signups for our personal Zoom prayer time if you would desire to do that. 
and certainly join into our Thursday night online cell groups. Okay, well that's all I've got for today. Don't forget to make the call. Love your dad today. He very much deserves it. God bless you all. We'll see you next time.